Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. It comes with responsibility, and especially now being at 1.5 million and knowing that I have a lot of young women my age, older and younger, following me, I want to be very careful. I have to be very careful about what I say, what I promote. Um, So like when clients or um, brands approach me and they say, hey, can you promote my product? Um, I have to think, is this something that I believe in? Is this something that I would use? Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. Great to be back with you here as always. Well, those were the inspiring words of Sarah Rav, who is a influencer and medical student. Today is a September gift. You're going to actually get the full version of the podcast that's normally reserved for our Patreon listeners. And hopefully this inspires you to become a Patreon supporter and to get fully behind the podcast to receive some wonderful uh, extra content each week. And that all started about the 32-minute mark of the episode and ended the 40-minute mark. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that as uh, Sarah reveals some amazing insights into her character, her journey, um, her purpose, and her ambitions. Patreon is, of course, the best and easiest way to support the podcast. And just to break it down in terms of value a bit for you, we originally priced the individual tier of the support for the podcast at $4, which is the cost of an average coffee in Australia, which you wouldn't be surprised to find out is a latte. And 75% of Australians purchase a coffee per day on average. So if we just use a work week, that's $20 per week and $80 per month would be the average coffee consumption. If you can spare one coffee, $4 out of 80 or 5% of that amount to support a podcast that's helping you grow each and every week, uh, that'll enable us to thrive as a podcast. So we urge you to do that. Please head down to our show notes and click on the link there or head to humansofpurpose.com slash support. So as I do in my usual Patreon supporters, just uh, exclusive to that podcast, I'll just give a little bit of an overview of how I found this podcast and um, really what it meant to me, just reflect a little bit on the, the how it played out, the context and how it came about in the first place. So the first thing to say is um, I invited Louise back to be my co-host, my wonderful wife for this podcast. And I just thought given that it's a, it's a young lady in, in medicine, it would be a really good way to bring in some of those um, hard-hitting medical um, career balance questions that Louise has certainly um, grappled with and would know that maybe some other young people are grappling with too. And I thought that went really well, so I'm going to try and get Lou when she's not in Geelong to be here to do some more of the podcasting together because she is able to come up with stuff and add value that I just cannot um, find within myself all the time, and I think it adds a new lens to how you might receive the podcast too. So if you enjoyed having Lou there, uh, please do let me know, email me, um, contact me, hello at humansofpurpose.com and share your feedback on Lou's presence. With Sarah, um, I found her on Instagram recently in some of the work she was doing and I just thought, here's someone who is just an amazing um, role model in that she's a young lady who is a thriving um, medical student and really hardworking um, and she could easily be forgiven for just doing that but she's doing so much more at the same time she's been running a successful business and brand for many years she's scaled that 
And the wisdom and maturity that she is able to display as well as the self-reflection at just 21 years old is very inspiring. And she's also had her challenges, which I really respect her openness in dealing with those challenges publicly um, through her platforms and also um, intermediating through the public to help her resolve some of her um, personal issues. So this is a great podcast and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Strap yourselves in for a beauty. A quick thank you to our wonderful Patreon supporters who make it possible for us to put on the show each and every week. McCartan, uh, Stuart M, Joel F, uh, new Patreon Bonnie B and Misha D times too. Your support is invaluable and we really appreciate it. So I am really thrilled to be here with Sarah Rav, who is medical student and influencer, and my wonderful co-host wife, Louise Segan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be back. <laughs> well, by popular demand nonetheless. So Sarah, terrific to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your journey into everything you're doing now and uh, then I'll, I'll fire away because I have a million questions to ask you about <laughs> your career as an influencer, um, selling an ebook at 15. I won't spoil it, but let's get there slowly in your own time. Okay. Um, there's a lot to go through, so I'll start where from the very start. Um, when I was about 15 or 16 in year nine, I was really into health and fitness. So one day, one of my classmates, she asked me, hey, Instagram is a big, is sort of a big thing nowadays. Why don't you start a fitness account? So this was about six years ago and I thought, okay, um, why not? And I started just posting like motivational quotes and uh, workout tips and stuff like that. And funnily enough, it just blew up. You know, I was gaining lots of followers. And I think this was at the time where Instagram was quite a new thing. So it was very easy for me to grow at at that time. Um, And I guess I was just lucky. And over time, um, by year 12, I had about 200K. Um, And during that process, a lot of my followers were asking if you know, I was, I, I could give them advice one-on-one if I could give them more tips. And I thought, why not write an ebook um, so that, you know, I can give all them, in, give them all this information um, very easily. And yeah, and so I did. And then that went on from there. I opened an online store um, and then I just kept growing and suddenly hit 1.5 million. And then here we are today. I mean, obviously the content that I was putting out changed over time as I started to make it more personal and make it more about my whole lifestyle rather than just health and fitness. Um, one of that being a med student. Um, but yeah, it was really just a journey of trial and error to get where I was today. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. So, I mean, most people's story when I ask them to come in goes in for a lot longer, but then I realized you're 21. So there's, there's like <laughs> heaps of your story is still to come and yeah. it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. But you've done, Hopefully. you're so accomplished and you've done so much already. Um, so take me into that process a little bit around mm. how does one, first of all, decide to launch an ebook? And, um, and because ebooks were quite big a couple of years ago or still are, yeah. but what, what was the thought process there? Um, to be perfectly honest, I was thinking about the profit side of things. Sure. Um, I don't really come from a very well of family. So um, I guess I had my whole, like all uh, me and my two brothers have always been taught that if we want anything, we sort of have to work for it. Um, I remember when I was in year seven, I was, um, I wanted to, 
um, go on a trip around Europe to sing because it was a choir trip for my school. And I remember my parents saying, look, if you want to have, if you want to go for that, you're going to have to raise the money yourself. So I started, um, distributing newspapers and that's how I paid for it in year seven. Um, and I guess that's sort of what happened, um, when I was thinking about this, because I saw a lot of other, um, other Instagram accounts giving out eBooks as well. Um, and, for the amount of information and the amount of time put into it, um, I think it was priced pretty well. And so that was sort of, it was sort of a twofold sort of thing. Um, I wanted to be able to fund myself um, for what I was doing at the time, but I also wanted to give out information to my followers. And it was a beginner's guide to clean eating because I was very passionate about health and wellness. And I guess that's sort of one of the reasons I decided to go into med, but I wanted to, um, give my followers the information possible for them to lead a healthy life. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I just want to pivot here quickly to ask you about like what it's actually like to be an influencer and have such a big followership yeah. or audience because to have 200,000 at that stage is a very young lady. Um, <laughs> do you kind of feel, is it like very exciting? Do you feel an obligation to a whole group of people that you might not know? What, what does it feel like? <laughs> Pros and cons, pros and cons, definitely. Um, at that stage, it was very exciting. I was all very new um, and all my friends were like, oh, my God, you're famous in my head. I was like, no, I'm just me. Like, um, But, yeah, it's a bit of both. So it's it, it comes with responsibility and especially now being at 1.5 million and knowing that I have a lot of young women my age, older and younger following me, I – want to be very careful. I have to be very careful about what I say, what I promote. Um, so like when clients or um, brands approach me and they say, hey, can you promote my product? Um, I have to think, is this something that I believe in? Mm. Is this something that I would use? And is this something that, is this a message that I want to promote? You know, I get heaps of like waist trainers or like magic diet pills and <laughs> Like, yeah, they're offering me a lot of money, but I just, I can't promote that stuff because I know that that's not something that actually works and that promotes a very dangerous way of thinking. So, yeah. That's a great answer. So, Lou, I want to bring you in here a little bit. And <laughs> you've recently got on the Twitter. Yep. You're tweeting from your cardiology conference in um, Paris, but you were not a social media native per se. So um, what's it like hearing Sarah's story and what does it make you think of, you know, how we use social today in our spaces? Yeah, it's a whole new world to me, really. Um, I used Facebook for a number of years, but mostly just to keep in contact with friends yeah. who were traveling abroad after school. And um, I actually joined Twitter a few months ago because some medical colleagues had said, oh, people are mentioning you on Twitter for medical research and stuff that we were involved in and saying you're missing out on this whole opportunity. So that's when I got on Twitter and then I started realising it's a way that you can connect with people that really inspire you without necessarily being in close proximity to them and you can have um, sharing of ideas and amazing um, research and other opportunities, not just medical obviously, in um, such a powerful way. So it's really opened up a whole new platform for me. 
I must admit I'm not I haven't been on Instagram I don't know what it looks like um but I hear lots of good things I think it's really impressive I've got like less than 200 followers on come Twitter. on that's not true you've got 240 and growing fast I think it's going to take me a couple of lifetimes to get to 1.5 million but it's very impressive I actually wanted to ask you um how do you think that uh, uh social media platforms like Instagram has changed over time because obviously you joined a few years ago and now we've got other platforms. So one, how's it changed over time for you? And two, um, do you think now entering the medical world, has that changed the way that you approach um, how you use social media? Yeah. Um, so like I said, at the start, it was just a hobby for me. Um, and my main platform is Instagram. I know Twitter is really great as well, especially in, in the medical world. Like a lot of my lecturers and professors are on there they're like use this hashtag (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so it started off as a hobby and now I think it's transitioning into it's transitioned more into a job and a business for me that's not to say that that's how it's like for everyone else um but that being said I think social media now is very integral in a lot of things, um, especially for people our age. Um, for example, I was talking to a cafe owner that I was working with, um, that I am working with, and um, I, like I told him, I was like, as, to survive as a cafe nowadays, to do well, you need to have a social media preference. Like nobody just goes down to their local cafe anymore. Millennials like me travel, <laughs> will travel because they've seen something on Instagram. And I also think that um, social media has like, it's definitely allowed me to connect with a whole lot of people that I wouldn't even have dreamed of. I have friends that I've never really met, but I would consider some of my closest friends over in America just because um, we've, you know, interacted so much over Instagram and everything. Um, So yeah, I think it's just made, um, and especially even now, considering like consider, comparing now to when I first started, people didn't really use it. People didn't use Instagram to make friends or anything. It was just more like pretty photos. But now I realize that, yeah, a lot of people use it more to connect. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe I'll ask you, how is it a bit different maybe being a, a young woman mm. versus being a male as a sort of a, a growing influencer? I imagine that you attract different traffic, but you also might have some different choices to make along the way. I mean, there's always the odd creepy DM here and there that you have to (laughs) block very quickly. Um, But I think as a young girl especially, um, you just have to be more careful with, again, the clients that you accept. Some clients can be very sort of demanding in what they want from you. And especially as somebody who hopes to go into the medical field and be seen as a professional, um, it's hard to draw the line between maybe like a post that's too revealing and a post that's sort of, um, I guess, acceptable. I don't want to say, mm-hmm. like, do you know what I mean? I don't want to put labels on anything or like You're not judging people. anyone else. This is it's no, purely just your it's own. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. And for me, I'm a very like timid girl, like as in, I always like I, I don't know. I'm just like a very happy, smiley girl, and this is just weird. But I get a lot of comments being like, "Why are you always smiling in your photos?" Like some, um, the other day, like somebody said to me, "Why don't you try like keep a straight face and like look like a model?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." I was Sorry. like, "No." I, I was 
I literally told them, I was like, if I have a shot of five photos, I will always pick the one where I'm smiling because that's just the person I am. And I'm not going to try and be somebody I, girls. Other girls have that going for them. The sultry, like sexy look. That's great. But for me, people know me as like an open, approachable, smiling person. And so, and that's the sort of photos that I'm drawn to. So yeah, I guess that's not even just a male and female. It's just an individual preference. Yeah. And how do you kind of, um, you must get a lot of people coming to you and saying, I want to be you or like, <laughs> you know, young ladies, yeah. older ladies, whatever the age, mm. men even, um, they must say, you know, like how, I want to be an influencer. I want my, me to be my own product and my own business. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of approach that situation? Yeah, no, I get that a lot. Um, like, especially from like all my friends and everything, they're like, how do you, how do you even become an influencer? And I honestly, like, honestly, I would be like, it was just lucky for me, but I think at the same time, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. And, um, it's somewhat post, it's just, you have to have a message that you want to promote. Um, uh, like for me, I started with health and wellness. I started with health and fitness. That was the main message that I wanted to promote. Um, but now I sort of gone on to, especially from my past and what I've been through, um, I promote a more balanced lifestyle and, um, yeah, I guess like a healthy lifestyle, but also being able to indulge and being able to enjoy things that are technically considered bad for you, but in moderation. Um, so that's sort of my message. Um, I think as an influencer, having one message that you always go back to in the end is what sets you apart. And that's what people choose to follow you for. So yeah, it's great if you want to be an influencer, but you don't, you can't just go into it being like, Oh, I want brands to work with me. I want to get money from it. Yeah. Um, I want lots of followers. So people think I'm cool and people think I'm a celebrity. If you want to be, if you want to set yourself up as an influencer, you need to go into it with a message that you want to spread and you need to focus on that message. Always bring it back to that message. And then if, there are brands or clients that want to work with you to help further promote that message. And that's great. That's where you go from there. Um, but again, it always comes back to wanting to spread a message. Yeah. Are influencers friends with other influencers? Like, do you have kind of a network of uh, influencer buddies? Um, yeah, we do. We do. Like, um, I, some of my closest friends I met through Instagram and we catch up at like all the networking events and we go for brunch and things like that. So we definitely have, um, like it's definitely a very close community, especially here in Melbourne. I love the Melbourne foodie group. Um, there's a bunch, like there's a whole heap of us and I'm meeting new people every day. Um, so yeah, it's good. But then again, like you have to have friends outside of Instagram as well because you need friends that sort of keep it real. Um, and, you know, like if I stress over, oh, this photo, like sometimes it's just nice to go to brunch and be in your trackies and have no makeup on and just eat as soon as the food comes out because it's not a collaboration and you just want to have fun with friends. Yeah. And so, sorry, go, babe. Oh, Sarah, I was just going to ask, you mentioned about balance and that message has changed for you a bit over time. I just wondered now that you're transitioning into another point in your sort of career that's evolving, how has that message um, emulated in your day-to-day life? Do you think that that's changed the way that you see yourself as well? Yeah, yeah. So, um I guess underlying all the message, just so that you guys have a bit of an idea is because I 
I suffer from an eating disorder. Um, I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa last year um, and I was admitted to hospital for about a week or so. Um, and then, of course, it was an intensive journey to recover from that. So that's sort of why I changed my message from just health and fitness, like go, 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 to balance, moderation. Mm. And, yeah, so that's still something that I um, try to do nowadays. So um, I guess one difference into how that's changed my mindset is in the past I would never skip a day of the gym, right? It would be. Even if I was tired, even if I had like two hours of sleep, I would still have to go. Whereas nowadays if, you know, I've had a long day at uni and I come home late and I'm tired, it's like, you know what, it's okay. You're you're a human, you know, there are priorities in life that come first and you actually need to look after how you feel and how your health actually is instead of forcing yourself to do something that you think you're supposed to do. Um, And it sort of even ties in with my studies um, because in the past it would be like nine hours study session, got to do it. You know, I don't care how many cups of coffee it takes. I don't care what it, like how stressed you are. Like you just have to study. Whereas nowadays it's like, you know what? It's okay to watch a TV show, 30 minutes, just relax, you know, enjoy the time off, you're allowed to do it sort of thing. So, yeah. Your hustle is really extreme, I must say. From what you were <laughs> saying, uh, I think before you got home, Lou, um, Sarah was saying that she's got like, you know, four to six jobs on this weekend yeah. and last weekend and <laughs> just taking some time out um, next weekend. Like this is just, a, I think, a fascinating thing about how work is changing and how people's mm. lives are changing and particularly you younger guys, uh, you younguns, you know, <laughs> with your uh, social media skills and savvy that we were not born into necessarily. You know, you've got your, almost like a primary career that you're heading towards but you've also got like um, a side hustle, mm. like a, an actual legitimate um, identity and business to curate on the side. Um it must sort of seem, or it does sound like it seems for you quite hard to take a break from all of that to, or to justify stopping running on the hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And, um, like I said, it comes in waves and I do have to watch out for myself as well because it's very easy for me to just accept a bunch of jobs on the weekend because I can't work during the week because I'm at uni. Um, so it's very easy for me to just push everything to the weekend. But then when the weekend comes, I have no time to relax and this happened last weekend, actually. I finished Friday afternoon completely exhausted, but then I had to work that Friday night, all of Saturday and all of Sunday. So when I was back on Monday, um, back at uni or back at um, Box Hill Hospital, I was actually more tired on the Monday morning than I was on Friday afternoon. And I was like, I can't do this again. Mm. So that's sort of where you need to take a step back and you need to say, look, it, I mean, because everybody just wants their business to do well, of course. Like it's hard to say no to a job because in your mind you're like, oh, that's me taking a step back mm. um, or, you know, my, like that's me not achieving as much as I could have. But in the end, like in the end, you have to think about it in the long run and you can't just like burn yourself. We talk about this a lot in med as well, like burnout is a real thing. You can't just burn yourself out now. Um, you have to think about the future. And it's okay if you – have to cancel a job, um, just have a weekend off because in the end it's probably going to give you a couple more extra years or even like, yeah, sorry, does that, does that make sense? No, it makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, it's sort of just thinking about the future and like you don't need to do everything now. 
Do you think that sometimes you feel also that you can do one or two jobs really well if you're just focusing on a few things rather than trying to spread yourself too thin? Yeah, 100%. I think it um, makes a lot of – I can notice the difference in my attitude as well. When I've just got – one or two jobs on the weekend or even just one job on the weekend, I'm like ready to go. I'm like, yes, can't wait for this. You know, I'm going to hit it hard, like going to take the best photos, everything. Whereas when I've got like three or four jobs, it's just like, oh, it's another job. Okay, let's take three photos. Oh, yeah, I'm happy with that. Don't really care. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it makes a difference. So how do you – um like, because because your job really is, you know, promoting uh, yourself, your brand, your products, and your yeah. idea, and you've always got a smartphone with you. How does the switch off time work, and how do you um, manage to just like have those moments where it's not about work or hustle? Oh, it's very hard. It's very hard. But um, I I tend to stop all all work at about like seven p.m. at night. Um, and honestly, I turn airplane mode on and I just play Candy Crush for an hour before I go to bed. Candy Crush is great. Awesome. Because you can turn <laughs> notifications off and then you just get lost in it. And it doesn't tell you the time either. So you can get complete. That's probably actually not a good thing. <laughs> um, the other thing I like to do is when I go out with friends, um, even like um, when I go out, yeah, when I go out with friends to a cafe, I just put my phone away. I'm never on my phones when I'm, I'm never on my phone when I'm around friends. Um, so you've set rules for yourself. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yep. you have to because yep. if it's not cl- a clear rule, it's very easy to just pick up your phone and be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's just check Instagram. I'm not working. I'm just checking my notifications. But really, you're still working. Yeah. I'm definitely guilty of that, aren't I, Mike? Oh, look, uh, <laughs> dipping in and out of phone is, is just part of the Seagan existence. And I, I think for you, you, you're sort of used to being on the phone and I think you like um, – being in conversations all the time. So that's how I see it. I found Twitter really difficult in that sense that you get notifications all the time and a lot of things are not relevant even to you, but you think, I should just check that just to make sure it's not something that I should um, reply to. You do that with emails too, by the way. It's like, I'm just, I'm on the, you know, I'm doing something now. Yeah, but you're (laughs) always like, um, I just, it's like a a way to pass time for you almost, like it's Twitter feed or email. As a quick aside, I am a bit OCD. I don't like my email to show that I have any unread messages. Like that that one? Exactly. Exactly. Whereas Mike has like over 1,000. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't handle that. So as long as I see them pop up, I know I either have to filter them as junk or I have yeah. to like read them and sort them out and then I'll feel okay. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. I, I say like I put my phone away, but my friends know that if they message me, like a Facebook messenger is like the way to go for us now. Yep. Um, my friends know that if they message me, I will reply in like 10 minutes or so. Like they don't have to wait very long. You're yeah. reliable. Yeah. If, well, it's not that I, it's just that I'm on my phone that often. <laughs> um, and then like if it's longer than 10 minutes, they know. Sarah's ignoring me on purpose. Have I done something wrong? <laughs> Or so, you're working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Let me take you back a bit to one of your previous answers just yeah. about sort of um, the pros and cons of being an influencer. If someone mm-hmm. was to come to you, a friend or something, and say, I want to be an influencer, what's your advice? Yeah. Um, like is it something that you would think is very doable now because you did it a few years ago mm-hmm. and I would say your timing was really good because Instagram yeah. was sort of starting to blow up and, you know, riding that yeah. wave. Yeah. And you were also like – it's also like you were not just trying to become an influencer. You were championing ideas that were your ideas. Yeah. Uh, like with- I didn't even know that being an influencer was a thing at the mm-hmm. time. That actually just came – that came about after and I was like, oh, hang yeah. on, this is actually what I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
sorry, were you asking like pros yeah, and yeah. cons? Yeah, yeah. So uh, more like um, we covered that, but more like would you – do you think it's doable now? Like like given the timing and how there's so many influencers out there? Like it's, it seems yeah. like a crowded space. Yeah, it's very crowded now because everybody wants to be an influencer. Yeah. Um, and especially with Instagram now, it's very hard to grow because you will have heard this so many times. They change the algorithm. Mm. Um, so it is very hard for a new account to grow big nowadays. And so, yeah, I honestly, I think it would be very hard to be an influencer nowadays if you start from scratch. That being said, like I wouldn't want to discourage anyone who wanted to be one. And again, it all comes back to having a message that you believe in. Because if you want to spread your message and you believe in yourself, like there's no reason why you can't stand out from the mass of other influencers nowadays. With yeah. with so many platforms being available to you, mm-hmm. do you ever think like, oh, um, and maybe you do this already, so yeah. call me out if I'm wrong, no, but okay. do you ever think like, oh, I need to um, launch a YouTube channel, uh, I need to be on Snapchat, <laughs> I need to be doing like other stuff? And also like once you think about all these things, how do you um, – are you like a, a one platform kind of player mm-hmm. and that's your thing? Yeah, yeah. Specialized? Uh, everyone has like told me, you should start a YouTube channel. You should do TikTok. <laughs> you should do Snapchat. I started, I did Snapchat for a bit, but that was just for my friends and stuff. I didn't grow it or anything. And then YouTube, like I can't watch myself on video. It's mm. just so <laughs> embarrassing. So I was like, there's no way I can go into that. <laughs> like having to edit as well. Um <laughs> But of course, it would be good. Like, I mean, it's encouraged to sort of branch out into different, um, different channels and every like different um, mediums. But for me, I guess Instagram has uh, being an influencer has always sort of just been a side thing for me. Like, it's been a part time job, and in my head, it's been time limited. Like, I know it's going to end someday, and I'm going to go into med, and then my life is sort of going to move on for them from there. But um, so, yeah, that's why I've never really explored the other options because. Yeah. Is that like um, the sort of end game for you? Like it's sort of getting into a medical specialty and staying yeah, in that space? Yeah. Like f- like my friends have always said, why don't you just drop out of med and do Instagram full time? And I look at them like they're crazy. I'm like, do you know me? Like med has always been. Are these medical like, friends or non-medical friends? Both. <laughs> both. Yeah. Even my medical friends, they're like, no, nah, just do Instagram. I was like, yeah. mm. like, my goal has always been to do med. It's always been to be a doctor. So. Instagram, I mean, it's great that it's worked out for me, but it's not something that I want to dedicate my whole life to. And at the same time, I know that, you know, being an influencer is a thing that's happening now and Instagram is the platform to be on now. But just like Facebook or MySpace, it's not going to last, or at least I don't think it will last. So it's not really something that I don't really want to put all my eggs in this basket, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you mind indulging me for a minute? Mike mm-hmm. might not be happy about this, but can you tell us a little bit about your medical journey? I'm really curious yeah. to know where you're up to, what your plans are, just for the medical listeners out there. Yeah, yeah. So I graduated high school. Oh, actually, I'll start from why I wanted to be a medical student. Uh, um, no, a doctor. Um so my grandmother um, passed away a couple of years ago from Alzheimer's disease and um, or dementia. And as some people may know, it's a very slowly progressive sort of condition and it's very hard to watch the person that you love deteriorate and sort of forget about you. And in that time, I just felt really, really helpless. Um, I mean, I didn't have any medical knowledge at the time, but to me and because – 
this was in Malaysia as well, the doctor-patient or the doctor-family relationship is very different there. They don't give you a lot of information. So the while we were watching my grandmother slowly deteriorate, the rest of our family just had no idea what was going on and all we had to do was just watch. So in that sense, for me, it was I want to know what's going on. I want to be able to help and I want to be able to give families information about conditions and stuff. So that's how I started well, that's where my dream of becoming a doctor started. And then um, went through high school, did all the prerequisites, and then got into Monash as an undergraduate. Um, so currently I'm in my third year, uh, which means I'm finished with all the lectures and the tutorials at Monash Uni, and I'm now full-time in the hospital. Um, and that's going to be what my studying will be like for this year, next year, and then the year after that. Um, so I'm at Box Hill Hospital and what we do, as I'm sure you know, is just sort of observe the doctors, um, help out with little things here and there. We basically like free labor, but it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. And I love being in the hospital. I love talking to patients. I love doing ward rounds and everything. So yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And longer term, have you had any thoughts? Um, I have. I've tossed up. So given that- We won't hold you to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, because then that would be what I want, what I want to get into. Um <laughs> I started off as wanting to go into neuro um, neurology or neurosurgery so that I could open up a lab on the side looking into dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Um, but then I've also, now that I've had the experience of going into theater and stuff, I've really, really enjoyed orthopedics mm-hmm. and also plastics. So I'm st- definitely, I'd like to do surgery, um, but I haven't decided what yet. So out of those three, potentially. Fantastic. Fantastic to hear about a woman wanting to go into surgery, which is not a particularly women-represented medical stream. Especially orthopedics as well, um, which is why I think it would be nice to break the mould. Yeah. Fantastic. We'll ask you some deep human questions about (laughs) career. So it's probably like a good point to segue into our Humans of Purpose Plus section, which is exclusive to our Patreon supporters. So I'll I'll shoot some quick fire questions at you and you do have time, so they're not that quick fire. Okay, okay, good. Because I stumble on my words a lot. No, you're all right. (laughs) Um, First off, the first cap off the rank, what is one thing you believe that others don't? Avocado is overrated. I hate wow, it. bang. I hate bang. it. I will never pay for it ever. <laughs> Louise, Would no you rebuttal. Buy it at the supermarket? No. No rebuttal no, no, in this no, no, section. Okay. Smashed avo, what is that? No. What about just regular avo or just nothing Louise, no nothing, rebuttal nothing. in this section. Right. It's, it's just it's the Patreon Plus. You need to respect the integrity of the podcast. She comes over, you know, co-host once and then she's back in and just dominating the show. <laughs> Second cab off the rank, what is your morning and evening routine? I told you I'm fascinated yep, with routine. Yep. So. Okay, okay. So, oh. My fan, I mean, people listening to this are going to be tired after hearing it. Uh, get up, 4 a.m., 4.30 to the gym, 6 o'clock, back home, breakfast, shower, off to ward around 7.30, get home from uni about 4, 4 to 6, 6.30, I'm doing Instagram stuff, editing photos, replying to comments, replying to emails, taking photos, and then I shut off for the night. So... 6.30 to 8 is like eating dinner, brush teeth, go to bed. Yeah. And like rinse and repeat kind of thing? Or? Basically, basically. Set my alarm. I mean, my alarm is set for four every day. And What about um, weekends? Do you sleep in? Weekends like five. Oh, my God. <laughs> Driven. Jacked. Incredible. And then some days, some days like sometimes when I just can't be bothered, it's totally different. Like I wake up at 11 and then 
do nothing for the holiday. I, I can imagine you yeah. like every few weeks just having like a mammoth three day sleep. Oh, 100%. The sleep debt <laughs> is insane. The sleep yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. It's just like all this built up. Now it makes sense why I go to bed at eight. Yeah. When people tell me, when, when I tell people that I go to bed at eight, they're like, what's wrong with you? And then I tell them, but I wake up at four and they're like, oh, okay. We often go to bed at eight and we don't wake up anywhere near four. So <laughs> that puts us to shame a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say, those hours are not the eight part, but the four is quite good for orthopedics. So yeah, exactly. I'm training. I'm training for the future. Training for the future. <laughs> okay. So next one, what is the best thing you've added into your life or routine in the past six months? Mm, six months. I have ice cream every day. I don't know. Like I, that was sort of something that I started to break the um, sort of mindset that I was in before. But like, you know, I was just like in in the past, ice cream was an off limits food for me, an unhealthy food, you know, a once in a once in a while food. But then I was like, actually, I don't need to think that way. Like you, you can't label food as good or, good bad. or bad. Yeah, And it's fine to have ice cream. Like it's not going to kill you. And so I, I started having it every day. And at the start it was just like, oh my God, like this is bad for me. I can feel it clogging my arteries and stuff. But as time goes on, you're like, I'm the same. And I love ice cream. Ice cream is my favorite food. What so kind of ice cream? Cookies and cream. Connoisseur. Connoisseur. Yes, the best oh, brand. how funny. Yes. Good call. So good, right? I'm a Ben & Jerry's man myself. Oh, ben and, okay. yeah. Yes to Ben & Jerry's, but sometimes Ben & Jerry's is like, too much of a meal. Okay, no, yeah, it's I, full on. It's, it's a full on experience. For ages. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, like, I like to like mix things into my ice cream, like oh, I, I chocolate rock. and stuff. Cold yeah. rock at home. So unfortunately, with Ben and Jerry's, it's very limited because there's already stuff mixed yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's oh, the main reason. That's the, the main the mixability. Yeah. So connoisseur is like a little bit more mild, so you can add more stuff in. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to ice cream in a second, oh, so the rest yeah. of the listeners can enjoy that. Okay, good. Um, what is one book you think everyone should read, other than your e-book, obviously? <laughs> Ah, uh, tough, tough, tough. Um, is it bad if I say Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> that was a mid-joke. Hardly advocate for that. <laughs> um, no, but um, that's hard. I would say I really like The Fault in Our Stars. Um, maybe, yeah, I that. Oh, actually, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Oh, that great one book. was yeah. That was that's a great book. Yeah, that ruined me, but also like. Is like, like ruined me emotionally, but when I think like about reading emotionally taxing stories, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you and, go deep, man. And then, <laughs> no mucking around. Yeah, no, and then and then like just the impact that it had on me, and like just like the message that it said, not just about the war, but just about human decency. Just yeah, it still resonates with me to this day. Yeah. Is there a quote or expression that you try and live by? My favorite is. I don't know if it's by Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift said it. Um, life isn't about the storm. It's about how you dance in the rain. And that, again, because obviously um, like life is there, life will throw curveballs at you, but I always believed and I will still always believe that it's not about how hard your circumstances are. It's about how what you make of it. And so that's something that I always think about. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. What do you think oh, – I'll phrase it a bit differently. Mm. What is one thing you think people should do more and one thing you think people should do less of? Mm. Hmm. Um, I think people – okay. I think people should really take more time to see their friends because when I was going through 
probably the hardest part, the hardest thing I've ever gone through last year, which was my recovery. My friends were there for me and they were one of the, um, they were one of the main reasons that I, you know, sort of got through that all. And that's sort of what I try to do now is I try to like, not really pay it back, but I definitely make time more time for my friends. Um, in the past, it would always be study first, um, or work first, but now I realize that like friends probably have a higher priority on that list. And because of that, I actually find that I'm a lot happier. Um, so that's what people should do more. People should do less of comparing themselves to others. And that in itself is probably pretty self-explanatory, but it's hard to do and it's hard to notice yourself doing it. But if you can, I would try to cut it down as well. Yep. That's awesome. Thank you. And finally, how does a sense of purpose influence how you live your life? I mean, I've noticed this and I don't want to get too personal here, but I'm very driven and I have a lot of things that I want to achieve. And I, in that sense, have a lot of purpose driving what I do day to day. Now, somebody very close to me, I don't want to say who it is just because in case they're listening, mm. um, I've noticed that they don't really have anything that they want to achieve. Um, for them, they are very happy just being who they are. But I've noticed that it has taken a toll on them in that they're not very happy. They're um, once... Um, they just they just don't want to achieve anything and i think they're very stuck in where they are and they're not happy with where they are but because they have no purpose and no drive they don't know how to get out of it so i think um having a sense of purpose sort of makes it easier to get up every morning and to do what you have to do get on with your day because in your head you're getting closer to some to your end goal whereas if you don't have that then it's like, why am I doing this? What's the point of getting up each morning? Um, so, yeah, kind of dark. But yeah. No, that's awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Thank you yeah. so much, and thanks for participating in our Humans of Purpose Plus segment. That was great. That was fun. So, um, Lou, did you have any questions? I'll, yeah. Um, go ahead. I just want to go back a little bit. You mentioned yeah. um, you've been you've had a, a big challenge in the last 12 months. I, I hope you don't mind us no, talking no, a bit more course, about it. I just wondered – how did you find going through something so personally challenging when you're also such a public figure? Yeah. And um, did you find people were respectful of what you're going through? Mm. And um, how has that translated over time? Yeah. So um, I think my followers actually played a big role in my recovery. At the start, I was terrified of even coming out with my diagnosis because unfortunately in our society, eating disorders – I feel um, carries a very heavy stigma and it's not something that people talk about a lot, even though it is very, very common. So I was terrified. I was terrified that if I revealed that I had an eating disorder, people would say, oh, people would think, oh, it's her fault. Like, do, um, as in like she brought this on herself. But once I was open about it, it was actually just overwhelming support and love and Everybody just wanted me to get better. And that's sort of what helped me actually during the recovery because there were times where I would just feel crap and I would like, you know, like after indulging in a big meal, um, the eating disorder side of, side of my brain would be like, 
you know, you're worthless. Like, I can't believe you just did that. Um, you're going to be obese. You're going to be unhealthy. You're going to be sick. But then when I would sort of like post about it on my account, because obviously I was taking my followers through everything. I was showing them the whole journey. People would just be like, you know, good on you. Keep going. Like we are here for you. And so that, that just made me realize like, I'm not worthless if I, you know, like my, my worth is not defined by what I eat or what I look like. And so, um, yeah, it was just actually very, a very, very positive response. And then in that sense, I was actually very grateful that I had such a platform to help me through that because I mean, I had friends, I mean, I had friends and stuff like personally who were still encouraging me, but that was just an extra aid in my recovery. So, yeah. Interesting. Really hey, thanks for sharing that. It's very powerful. And I think what struck what strikes me about your story and, and how you kind of managed to change some of your thinking patterns yeah. is the power to then become somebody who like allows themselves to um, like experiment and have the ice cream and then yeah. you know believe that it's okay and then keep doing that. How do you? How hard is it to kind of change mindset like that? And it's diff- I mean, it's it's very difficult. And I'm sure because like I am a. I mean, I was maybe still am, a perfectionist, you know, it's very much what drove me was not the weight loss or the body image. It was, this is what is the perfect thing to do, you know, and this is what you have to do. Um, Going to the gym and eating healthy and never touching junk food is what the perfect person does. So you have to do this. Mm. Whereas nowadays it's, it's more about, um, or the mindset I'm trying to go to is that you're human and that, not everything has to be done by the book and that's not going to change who you are or how others view you. And it was really, really hard to change that mindset because that's the mindset that I've had for like 20 years of my life. And so it's only in the past year that I've sort of had to challenge everything I know basically. Um, And yeah, I honestly, like it's still something that I'm struggling with. There are still still days where I think that I have to go to the gym and I have to study, but it's, it's, it's not about changing it straight away. It's not about doing a whole 360. It's more about noticing when those thoughts creep up and noticing that they're abnormal and that they, they shouldn't guide you. So but do you have someone, cause it seems, you know, so much about it. Are you getting support or? Yeah. What? Yeah. So yeah, sorry. So yeah. Um, I had, my, I had a, I saw a psychologist. Yeah. Um, and she helped a lot. Um, but at the same time it's, yeah, like she helped a lot, but at the same time she said to me, like what she said to me is it's more about just noticing them and then going from there. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's so inspiring and it's an, it's an amazing story, I think. And I, I wanted to ask you, I suppose with, you know, a lot of the Instagram influencers out there and I'm not asking you to hang shit on anyone else, oh, no, no, no. but a lot of it seems to be like, there's that showing that you are perfect so a lot of the sort of here's my body this yeah, is what yeah. a perfect body looks like um your own style is very different you're about an idea you've got a strong message you know how much is what's the role of an influencer in that space you know, i suppose encouraging sort of positive behavior as yeah. opposed to sort of harmful compa- yeah. comparison like yeah. behavior yeah um so i think that honestly my approach has allowed me to connect with a lot more people and a lot more brands because it's keeping it real. And so 
Like I'm not hating on anyone either. You can create the perfect picture of your life, but then it limits you a lot because then you have to keep recreating that perfection. Whereas for me, it's just like, I'm keeping it real. I can post a photo of myself chilling in bed because like, Hey, it's keeping it real. Like that's what I'm doing nowadays. And I did a post about this the other day as well. Um, just very recently, like it was just in the 10 minutes that I had between my break, uh, like for my break during uni. And it was just a very quick photo. It was like blurry as well. Like my friend took it on my iPhone, like two seconds. And I was like, you know what? Um, usually like, I don't really like this photo because it's blurry and it's not that great, but that's sort of what real life is. Like people don't have time to spend an hour taking photos to get the perfect one. Most of us are busy with work and busy with school. And so, um, enjoy this photo of me because that's my life. And so, yeah, um, I think there's definitely a space for uh, that because you can connect with so much more people that way. And I think people feel good when they see that sort of thing, they feel better about themselves. Mm. And if you feel better about themselves and you're, if you feel better about yourself, then you're more likely to want to keep coming back to that page. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's really well put actually. Yeah. I wondered, um, what it's like for you in terms of having positive female role models in medicine. Do you feel yeah. like you, there are people already that you're looking up to or you have support in that space? Oh, um, at, at Box Hill Hospital, it's really good. I've worked with some amazing female like surgeons and, um, female professors and like female consultants as well. Um, So yeah, I, and like even just not even women at the top of their field, but I've worked with some really nice students as well. Like some really impressive, inspiring students who, who are just a year or two above me. So I think it's, I think it's changing. It's definitely changing. There are a lot more women in medicine nowadays. And I notice as well that, um, it's not as restrictive anymore. So I get given as many opportunities as any other male student my age. All you have to do is you just have to ask for it. Um, so that's something that's really good for me, mm. I think. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really think about it much as a medical student. Like I felt similarly yeah. that it was quite equal. I think what we're starting to find is that that those um, that equality um, is probably not carried through all the no, way yeah. sort of beyond um a certain level and i think that yeah. we're trying to change yeah. not when i say we it's like the collective yeah, way, but yeah. i'm definitely part of the effort to try and make women representation a bit better yeah. and make sure that um women have better opportunities and yeah i think that yeah. just by even us showing that we're interested motivated um we're going to forge our pathway yeah, in our chosen yeah. field will help other people to see that it's possible. Yeah. So I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, no. And I also notice as well, I guess, like, I guess for me, I'm lucky. I'm very, I'm quite confident in asking for what I want. And like, you, like, I'm not going to let somebody stop me from getting it. But I do notice sometimes with like the other females in my cohort who are a bit more timid, like sometimes I will have to ask for them sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. I have to look out for them. Um, and it's nothing against them or anything, but it's just something that I've also noticed from time to time. So it so. sort of emphasises that there's a yeah. role for mentoring even like across yeah. within the same group, not even just at different levels, which I think we're seeing a lot more now, mm. people mentoring other people. It doesn't have to be someone in a superior or yeah. leadership role necessarily. I was going to um, shift slightly and ask you about, you know, other people and what they say about what you do and like how does your family feel about the Instagram and the influencing, for example? Well, my dad hates taking photos of me, but that's because I get really angry when he takes them. <laughs> I just like because when he takes them, it's always like blurry, but that's all right. <laughs> that's classic parents. Yeah, classic. Like, um, but I think 
my friends are very supportive of it. Um, like, it's good for them because I have a network outside of med that they can sort of experience as well. So it's sort of given them a like it's given my friends a pathway to extend out of med as well. So mm-hmm. in that sense, they're pretty fine with it. My parents have been supportive this whole time. Um, they really don't have anything to say about it. Do you think they understand it? <sighs> Do they have Instagram? A question. My mom followed me on this like fake account so that she wouldn't, <laughs> so that I wouldn't know it was her. <laughs> but then the only person she followed was me. <laughs> but they they have instagram and they're pretty cool actually my friends are very cool like i, I they're quite young and hip i will never let them hear me say that but they are quite quite cool <laughs> so they do get it um and they would never yeah my brother's my younger brother definitely gets it he sends me like all this thing he's like you should do this you should do this hey can you get me this <laughs> um so they definitely get it and they're always very happy to help out but at the same time like they get it but they wouldn't know how to do it mm. if that makes sense mm. so like like my dad the other day he's like what's a story and i had to explain it to him <laughs> but yeah so they, they don't get it but they're supportive of it and they think it's a positive thing so that's good. What are you seeing coming up in the space that interests you or excites you about Instagram and uh, its its opportunities and features? Yes. Well, they recently removed the likes mm-hmm. and that was a very controversial thing, but I personally am a fan of it just because it goes back to, you know, how I was saying, don't compare yourself to others. Like I do that a lot as well because like I said, it's easier said than done. And I used to compare how many likes I would get as opposed to somebody who has the same follow- amount of followers as me. And it would always just make me feel terrible. And then the day after they removed the likes, I actually went to somebody's page and I scrolled down to see how many likes I had and I couldn't see it. And I was like, oh, hang on. This is the first time where I don't actually feel like shit after. Yeah, you feel better, right? Yeah, I was like, actually, I don't care because I don't know. And so in my head, I was like, no, this is a positive thing. And I still believe that it is a positive thing because even since – they remove the likes. I've noticed that I'm just posting a lot more of what I want to post um, rather than what I think I need to post. Um, and it's not really made a difference to like the business side of things because I can still see how many likes and engagements that I get. So I can still see how my posts are doing. But at the same time, it's not me posting for others now. It's me posting for me. So that's a good thing. Um, a not so good thing is like I mentioned before, is how Instagram has changed the algorithm. So it's very hard now for pages to grow. And what I've heard from a lot of my friends, um, and I'm talking about my Instagram friends here that I connect with, is that Instagram's not fun for them anymore Mm. because they're not seeing that same sort of engagement and growth that they used to see. And so for us influencers or content creators who put a lot of work into our photos and into our messages it's disheartening because it's not as, I guess, you don't get that same reward as you used to. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, look, it's been so good having you on and I look forward to it was chatting a lot of fun. It was more a lot of fun. offline. Yeah, yeah. How can people uh, connect with you and get in touch if they want to learn more? Yeah. So, um, well, my Instagram handle is at Sarah Rab. That's just my name. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Um, yeah. 
Awesome. I, like I said, I'm a very one platform sort of person. So there you go. Can you give us a quick plug for your ebook? I don't know that we. Oh, it's, yeah. it's very old. I don't even know if you can find it anymore. But it's um the beginner's guide to clean eating. Yeah. Lovely. Was that before that was a hashtag even? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, way back before hashtags were even a thing. That's how old my Instagram account is. Yeah. Awesome. Great having you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word of mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com.